This podcast is brought to you by the Voinovich School of Leadership and Public Affairs at Ohio University. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Jazzed About Work, where we talk about everything that might have an impact on your career. I'm your host, Bev Jones. I'm an executive coach and the author of Find Your Happy at Work. It's a book about making choices and taking control of your career. And career management and leadership are themes in today's episode. Our guest is Michael Curlin. He's the CEO and founder of The Branded Group, which is an award-winning, fast-growing facility maintenance company. Michael is also the author of Broken to Better, which is a book about not failing in leadership and in life. Michael says in the book that he was once a broken man, struggling to recover from a divorce and clueless about how to find meaning in his work. He decided to start over and reflect on what really mattered. From there, he built a whole new life and launched a highly successful, people-centric business. Michael will tell us about some of the 13 principles that have guided his way and have helped make everything to be better. Michael, I'm excited to talk about your new book, Broken to Better, but I'd like to um, talk a bit about you and how you wrote the book. Your introduction is so intriguing. It, The way you described it, you really were at a stage in your life when you were feeling broken. Would, would you kind of tell us about your story and how you got to better be, before we start talking about the book and, and about your business today? Yeah, Bev, thanks. And thanks for having me on the show. I'm super excited to be here. Um, so it's the title is so apropos for uh, where I came from and and the story I wrote. And um, the reason we we wanted to write the book was uh, initially was kind of like a sales, like a like a entrepreneur how to like 101, right? And then it just somehow turned into my memoir with a little bit of business in the background, right? So um, I started off you know, I'm going to take you back on a journey. I hope you don't mind. It's a little long-winded, but... I love long journeys. <laughs> okay, well, buckle up. So <laughs> so I started off in, in uh, 2001. I graduated college and uh, I did what every new graduate does. Uh, I, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And so I traveled for, you know, a couple months with a, with a friend and, and, uh, came came back and still didn't know what I wanted to do. I had a, a gotten a degree, a liberal arts degree in uh, a Bachelor of Arts in sports management. So what do you do with that? I don't know. So I, I thought I wanted to work in sports, but that didn't work out. So uh, I took a couple of uh, jobs along the way and then 9-11 hit and the job market dried up. So I took a couple of sales jobs right after that. I, I didn't think I wanted to do sales, but I didn't know what I didn't know. So I was in sales for a while. And then I stumbled my way uh, into working for uh, Jones Apparel Group, and they were the retailer that produced Nine West shoes and a couple of other um, clothing and, and shoe shoe companies. So I became a facility manager for them in 2004. So after three years of stumbling through um, some sales jobs and realizing I didn't think sales was for me, I started becoming a facility manager, and that. 
that got me opened up to a whole new world of retail and facilities management, things that I didn't even know existed, right? And so uh, I did that for three years, and I left it right before 2008 when we had the, the recession hit with the housing market collapse. And um, I went to go work for one of my vendors, funny enough, back in as a salesperson. Uh, I, I could see the writing on the wall at Jones Apparel Group. It wasn't really... Um, you know, I wasn't long for that job and uh, they were getting ready to make budget cuts because of the recession. So one of my uh, subcontractors had become a friend and he said, uh, I, you know, I got a job for you, but um, it's it's as a salesperson over here. And I said, I don't I'll do anything but sales. And he said, well, that's all I got for you. So I, I begrudgingly took the job in sales again and I started working for him at this company and I was there. I ended up being really good at it because all the sales jobs I had taken prior, I had learned the how-tos of sales and what worked and what didn't work and how to, you know, really cut your teeth. And I just applied all those things that I didn't even realize that I picked the lessons that I picked up. I didn't even realize I had picked them up. And yeah. so I was able to be really successful at what I was doing because uh, I followed the procedures and, you know, uh, and, and knew some of the people from my time in the retail world at Jones Apparel Group uh, from, you know, networking and other conferences and things of that nature. And so I was pretty decent at it. And I, I ended up working there for six years. It was it was a good uh, first first like real job, you know, where I, I was vice president of sales. And I had worked had helped take the company from seven million when I arrived in 2007 to to uh, 50 million, they they sold and they sold the private equity in 2012 at, at 50 million, and I was vice president of sales, and my life was on paper, you know, great. I had my bought my first house. I had just gotten married, uh, and I was the vice president of sales for an up and coming middle market company, and I was making good money, and I was empty inside, right, and so. Um, shortly thereafter, private equity came along and they demoted me. They put a, uh, they put a vice president over top of me, demoted me to director without in letting me interview for the vice president job. And my wife then had an affair all in the same year. And so the writing was on the wall. I wasn't happy. You know, me and my wife didn't work out obviously at that point. She's now my ex-wife. And, um, my, uh, company had started devaluizing myself. So I was like, what, what am I doing this for? Like I said, I was broken. And that's where the, the broken came from. What am I doing this for? What am I trying to accomplish in life? And I, I wasn't happy living on the East Coast. I was in Long Island and I wanted to, I wanted to be out in California. So I, I sold my house. I got divorced and uh, I moved to California and started my own company doing facilities management and uh, started my life over and really also started a weight loss journey at the time. Like just a lot of things that, uh, you know, you, I had always wanted to do that. I never had the opportunity to. So that's where that, that well, title comes from. Well, that was a, that was a big leap. Let me ask a little bit about um, how you went from like feeling this was a horrible year and everything's gone to, getting yourself together and not just hanging around, but 
heading off across the country, starting something new. It, it sounded like you, from the book, that you had to go through some reflection and you came up with a like maybe a different way to approach life. Is that right? Yeah. So I started doing a lot of self-reflection. I read a book called You Are a Badass by Jen Sincero. Um, and I read a book called um, Broken Open by Elizabeth Lesser. And those two books kind of changed my outlook because, you know, I, I'm, 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 I'm better now, or at least I like to think I'm better now. But at that point, I was broken. You know, I had spent my career build, helping build a company that now tossed me aside like, uh, th- like I was disposable. And I'd spent seven years, you know, working on a relationship with a woman that didn't work out. And it didn't work out for many reasons, but at the time it's still, you get, you got to make sense of it all. Right. And, and so I had to like do some digging, some soul searching into like what, what, you know, I was the common denominator in all these things. Right. So what about me did I need to fix to, to be better going forward? And, you know, some people, when they have adversity in life, they don't, take that opportunity to reflect, you know, they, they, they blame everybody else and they become a victim. And I wasn't going to fall into that trap. And I I will say I was in therapy at the time, thank God. And I had a great therapist who really pushed me. You can be a victim or you can, you can, you know, use this to get your life together. And I, and I really took those words to heart and I, and I wanted to, I wanted to improve myself. Right. So that's, where that journey started. And those two books really opened my eyes to like self-improvement and like dealing with adversity and how you can deal with adversity and still move on and have a a, a good life. And so I, I really took it to heart and I said, I am not going to be a victim. I'm going to be a victor. And I am going to sp- use this as a springboard to change my life to everything that I always wanted it to be that it's not right now. So that became the weight loss and the moving. It, it sounds like a, a really big leap on a lot of fronts. And um, it, you um, came up with a phrase around that, it sounds like, the be better, which it sounded like maybe it started as a personal mantra and now it's a the company culture. What does be better mean to you? And, and how do you keep using it today? So, I mean, it's ingrained in our culture, right? It's on. It's the first thing you see when you walk into our our office that nobody goes to anymore. But that's the the world we live in today. But but yeah, it actually started as a business uh, mantra, and it was me and my business partner John Thomas, and we were talking about how private equity can't come in, and just that new company was really, you know, not. Um, not doing what they had said they were going to do when they when they were talking about all the new things that they wanted to bring, you know, old company to new heights and everything that they weren't doing that they had promised they were going to do. And we were just talking about be better. Like these are all lies for lack of a better word. And so that's where it started from. But then it just became something that we could over overlay into my life as well. You know, I could I, I was 220 pounds at the time and I just I wanted to be better. I wanted to be in shape. I wanted to be at a point where I could be healthy. So 
I started using it for that. I, I wanted to get out of Long Island. I hated the snow. I wanted to get out of Long Island, New York, and I wanted to live in California. I had so many clients out here. I traveled to California two to three times a year to visit clients. And I, I wanted to I wanted to be here. So why not be better out here in California? So I took it to heart and made it part of my life. And then as you know, the company's grown year over year, we've uh, we, we started using it as part of our culture. It's it's been something we've had as our motto since year one, but we've built programs around it. You know, there's the Be Better program. There's the one for one program where we donate a, a a meal to Feeding America for every service call that we get. So it's just stuff like that where we're really trying to be better. Be better means for your company, not just being better at providing services to your clients, but be better means giving back, being part of the community, working human values into everything you do. Is is, is that right? Be better means uh, a value statement and not just a performance statement at work. Correct. So so when we when we first launched the Be Better um, program, it was to be better to obviously our 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 clients are our, it was also to be better to our employees, our subcontractors, and our community. So those four things were the tenets that we really. I had read Conscious Capitalism by John Mackey, and we just, you know, we wanted to really embrace that. We started this Be Better program, and so we we do that. And then the last thing when COVID hit was also be better to yourself, right? You need to take care of yourself first and foremost if you're going to um, make anyone else happy in this world or not make anyone else happy. But if you're going to be outwardly better, you got to be inwardly better. That's probably the best way I can say that. That makes a lot of sense to me. Now, let's talk about what it is you actually do and how you uh, work that human value system into your activity. I can I have a vague sense of what facilities management is, but I don't really know what when you started your company, what did you start it to do, to produce or be? And and what are the services you're doing now? So that's a great question. And no one ever says when they grow up, they want to be a facility manager. Uh, until I worked for Nine West, Jones Apparel Group, I didn't even know what a facility manager was or that that was even a career that existed. But uh, I... I am a facilities management and construction management company. Branded Group is a facility management and construction management company. And what we do is we work with multi-site national facilities uh, such as Apple, Sephora, Ross, um, and they hire us to manage their stores. So um, Apple, there are we are their number one door uh provider across the country. So they hire us to take care of all their doors. So if a door breaks, a door handle breaks off, they have an issue with a lock, they have an issue with a pivot, at any store in the country, they call us. Then we subcontract a door vendor in whatever city that may be in to handle it. And so, you know, they pay us or so then the subcontractor charges us a price. We then put our profit and overhead and profit on top and we send that to Apple. Apple pays us uh, and then we pay our subcontractor. And the reason that Apple wants to do that is it's one person to call. 
it's one invoice to get, it's one check to write. And they can manage, instead of having, you know, 70 different vendors in every store that they have in the country, and that's just for one trade, right? Because you have so many trades out there, plumbing, electrical, HVAC, handyman. So, you know, you'd have, they can manage their process with a smaller amount of people in their company. And then we take on all that administrative work for them. So that's what we do um, in a nutshell. That's so interesting. I didn't even I didn't even know this was a like a job or business um, sector. I, I'm always interested in where the job opportunities are and where new things are coming up. And it sounds like your first job you were doing this, and then you created your own company. Is this the kind of thing that's popping up all over the place for local? Uh, businesses, or does this tend to be a big international or national um, company with clients like Apple's? How how does the industry work? So it started back in like the late 70s, early 80s, because what ended up happening was you'd have a store in every every major city in America as a big time retailer. And then that store manager, when something would go wrong, would open their yellow pages we all remember that probably, yes. right? And so they'd open the yellow pages and they'd scroll for an electrician if the lights went down and they'd call their local electrician. That guy would come out and then he'd do the work and then, you know, the store would have to figure out how to pay the guy, right? How how am I paying? Oh, do I pay the guy out of petty cash or do I send the invoice? So it, it just became a new industry in the late 70s, early 80s where uh, people saw a hole in, in the marketplace where, Companies were getting bigger, more centralized, and they needed to get their finances in check and also keep their stores up to brand standard. And so uh, that's how facilities management was sort of born. And now over the years, uh, you know, the, with the innovations over technology in technology, uh, it's able to be very, very streamlined where, you know, um, a store has an issue. They type it into their computer, it goes to their corporate office, and then the corporate office shoots me an email with that exact issue letting us know. We get out there, we take care of it. You know, there's barely any phone calls needed. There's just pictures and, and a lot of uh, digital paperwork. So so this is the, your first startup, right? Uh, I had one other attempt at an at a entrepreneurial journey as a handyman company back on Long Island. Uh, it didn't get very far because I didn't have the time. I was still working as the vice president of, of sales for my old company, and I didn't have the time to put into the company that I that I should have. I I learned that you can't you can't do a a business part time. So the good news was I didn't invest a lot into the business. It was a couple bucks to start some marketing and get a business license, but um, the you know. So I learned I learned a lot from that, and it didn't cost me a lot. So that that was nice. So yeah, this is my first real attempt at, at, at entrepreneurship. All right. Well, it sounds like this is a very real company. It's branded group, and from what I've read, you've won awards for uh, being fast growing and providing great service and so forth. How is it? that you have been able to grow so quickly? Do you have some be better um, theories that you brought to get started? Or what is it that has empowered the, the, the growth you've experienced? Uh, I think it's that we've stuck to our values all nine years. 
the be better mantra really has uh, helped us. And I think in our industry, the turnover rate is 50% or less. I believe it's like 49%. That's, that's our retention rate, which is on the same lines as retail and quick casual uh, food restaurants. You know, you got people coming in and out, turning, turning over. We invested in our employees early on. And so by doing so, our retention rate is 95%. So if we have 95% retention rate, I keep happy employees who keep my clients happy. And therefore, clients stay with us and keep, you know, spending money with us. So I think that has been something that a lot of people in the industry never wanted to invest in, which was the employees, because they thought they were, you know, disposable commodities. And we at Branded Group do not feel that way. We feel like we want to invest in all of our employees, give them all the tools to be successful and really make a career out of facility management. And it seems to have worked. We've We've grown, grown. Um, we've actually grown almost to sixty million in nine years. So it's been, uh, it's been a great ride thus far. So you've been named um, a great place to work for quite a few times, like five years in a row. Um, what do you do to keep people happy for a long time? Do you have a training program that provides growth? How are you? Um, um, helping people to kind of, I don't know if it's working the way up the ladder or what is it you do to keep people on a learning path? So yes, we've invested. We have a, one of our partners, Kira Blonzi, she runs our training program. Uh, you do three weeks of training uh, from the second you step foot at Branded Group until you get to actually start running your own jobs, your own work orders. Uh, and comparatively speaking, at the last company, you had two days of training and then you were just thrown to the wolves. And that's part of what we felt contributed to such a high uh, turnover rate in our industry. So we've invested in training, making people feel like they have lifelines because it's a very tough industry, especially if you don't know anything about construction and you don't have organizational skills. Uh, so and then we have ongoing training after the three week initial training program. Uh, after that, we also uh, invest in programs for our employees. Um, like I said earlier, the Be Better program, but we also do a lot of uh, volunteer opportunities that's ingrained in our culture as well. And as you know, the millennials have taken over our, the workforce now. They are uh, over 50% of the current workforce. And millennials are statistically more inclined to stay and at a job and take less money if they feel a sense of purpose. And that's not why we, we started this program, but that has definitely helped us keep our millennial workforce happy because they do feel a sense of purpose. They do see that we're aligned with Habitat for Humanity. We're aligned with Feeding America. So they know that what they're doing through their company is not just you know a transactional, I do this job and I get a paycheck. It's also my company stands for something bigger than making money for the owners. It stands for, you know, trying to make the world a little bit better of a place. So I think that that is really one of the main reasons why the employees do stay for so long and are happy. 
Well, I think that brings us to your book, Broken to Better, and the subtitle is 13 Ways Not to Fail at Life and Leadership. And, and basically, you have 13 principles that seem to be what guide the company and, and have guided you in life. And one of them is being um, people-centric, and one of them is being purposeful, uh, another one is being generous. I like that. What do you mean by generous in the context of your um, managing the company? Well, I mean, we, as the owners, we don't take every dollar off the table and put it in our pockets. We make sure that we have valuable um, programs for our employees to get bonuses or to have a good 401k, have the best health benefits we can offer. Um, it's it's not just like, okay, we do the bare minimum. You guys have a job, you get a paycheck, and we just put the rest of the money in our, in our pocket. And that's another thing that, that's being better again. That's something I, I experienced at the last place I worked at. It was, it was always take care of the owners first, and then whatever's left over, we can fight over the scraps. So... Um, yeah, I, I think that's one of the things about being, you know, being generous. And the other thing is being generous with your time. Take time to mentor anybody that's willing or wanting some of your time, right? I, I'm just I'm just a being on this earth that's figured some things out a little bit faster than other people. And so if anyone needs advice or time or mentorship, I'm always happy to spend it with them and, and, and put the time into someone that's looking to be better. Well, you've offered lots of good advice here today and explained how sometimes you kind of have to feel it inside and then create the organization uh, reflecting your values like being better. But but let me ask just an, um, a more uh, maybe practical uh, level for people who are interested. Say we have clients, or excuse me, we have um, listeners out there who are thinking, gosh, I would like to start my business. This sounds so great, but I don't know where to begin. So if we have some budding entrepreneurs out there who feel like they want to create their own organization that reflects their values, how do you suggest you get started becoming an entrepreneur? Well, I think if you look in the book, there's a chapter called Be Fearless. And I think that's that's really where you got to start because being an entrepreneur is not for everyone, right? If you if you have you're gonna have fear and you're gonna make mistakes, but you gotta you gotta be fearless. You gotta know what you wanna start your business in, obviously, first and foremost. And and if you have that idea or that thought of something that you can do, then start there. And then the thing I tell everyone is, you know, as soon as you can financially hire experts, hire experts. You're not a lawyer. You're not an accountant. You may be great at operations, but you may not be great at sales. So hire someone that can help you with sales or vice versa. Because if you try to do everything yourself for too long, you're going to fail. And the reason you're going to fail is because of you. Right. So you gotta be fearless and you gotta hire experts. Those are the two things that I, I will I will pound the table till uh, till the day I die for entrepreneurship. So just a final thought. Being fearless doesn't mean that you're not scared. I think it means that you don't let this 
the fear manage you? Being fearless is getting comfortable with being uncomfortable and going ahead anyway. Is that is that how it was for you? Or did you just wake up one day and you just weren't afraid anymore? Yeah, I think going through the... So your first question about being fearless, it's not... A, it's okay to be scared. And it's... I think for me, it was make a decision, stick ah. to your guns. And if that decision, and if that decision is wrong, because uh, you can't be paralyzed by fear. If you make a wrong decision, you can always change your mind. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. So that's what I mean by being fearless. Um, but yeah, I, d- I did basically wake up one day. I, I, I got divorced. I got fired and I woke up one day and I was like, I got nothing to lose. And my mother was like, I was like, I'm moving to California. I'm starting my own company. My mother was like, what are you going to do? You don't have a job. What if you go bankrupt? And I said, I'll make more money if I go bankrupt, you know? So that's uh, that's what happened to me about being fearless. I literally woke up one day and just said, screw it. I got nothing to lose. I'm going for it. Well, I think the way some people can make a shift into being fearless is doing something else you did. And that's identifying some principles that are going to guide your life. And as soon as you have kind of a measure for decisions, uh, it gets easier. And you can say, this is, this is what I committed to do. I'm going to do what that is. And that can keep you going for a long time. And it sounds like you, knowing your values has, has really um, helped you to be successful. Yes. So again, the book is Broken to Better. And I think it's great to hear you talk about uh, being better. Thank you so much for um, joining us today. Thank you. I really appreciate the time and having me on the show. It's been a pleasure. Today we've been talking with entrepreneur and CEO Michael Curlin about ways to succeed in leadership and in life. This podcast is produced by WOUB Public Media. Adam Rich is our audio engineer. I'm your host, Beverly Jones, author of Find Your Happy at Work. Today's tip is that identifying the principles that really matter to you will help you make decisions and navigate your career. Thanks for listening to Jazzed About Work. We hope you come back soon. Thank you.